My name is Vida Sister Prince. Today is Friday, June 11, 1993, and I am interviewing Richard Martin on his life for the Oral History Project Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is my independent study supported by the Missouri Historical Society. I'm a Richard Martin, Jr. You are? Yes, I'm a junior. My father was also born in St. Louis, my father and mother. You know, we go, we're at least, at least eighth generation here in St. Louis. Eighth generation? Eighth, You're at right. least. My, um, on my mother's side, her great-grandmother was born here, her great-grandmother, and she was Irish, and she married an, an African-American. She married a color man. And as a result, they had children, you know. Mm -hmm. And they lived right where the Kill Auditorium is today, in that area. There. And then on my father's side, which was Josephine Baker, they came from Arkansas, all right. But her grandmother, my aunt's and dad's grandmother was born in Arkansas, but her parents were born here in St. Louis. Well, now, how exactly are you related to Josephine Baker? Uh, Josephine Baker is my father's sister. Okay. So. And so um, they were born right here in St. Louis. And, and the, and the, during that period of time, there were uh, integrated neighborhoods in that area there. The, uh, the Germans was in South St. Louis, as, and the, uh, the Polish, they were in North St. Louis, and the, and the colored people were right in the downtown area by the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. And they were able to work together and integrate right there because they were in the same neighborhoods. What years, what decade are we talking about? We're talking about at the, at the latest 1800s. Mm -hmm. Because don't forget Scott Joplin and the jazz and, and the ragtime music and everything was, was really started right there from Texarkana, Texas, really, and then came to St. Louis, Missouri on the Mississippi River. St. Louis, Missouri is a wonderful city where all of this American ethnic togetherness and development and creation of music and dance began right here. What about the, your, the relatives, your great-great-grandmother? Great, great now, well, the one on my mother's side, they were Irish, mm -hmm. all right? And the one on my, on, my, on my father's side, Josephine Baker's side, they were Africans, really. They, there was no integration in that when they came. When they came. And, but on my mother's side, there was. Um, had they married? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is, this is why. Um, now, I am. My name is Martin, but my father's father's name was Carson. And what happened, Carson, my grandfather, and my grandmother were performers. Mm -hmm. and, I, and they married 
but they performed and he left her and she divorced him and when she divorced him she married Martin and the Martins she the ch children were adopted my aunt and my father were adopted but their names are Carsons but they are really biologically Martin uh, uh, Carsons legally they are Martins see they are adopted children uh, on your mother's side on my mother's side they were Carols who 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 was the colored and who was the white oh, on my the mother Irish. on my mother's side her grandmother the, 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 the mother the grandmother was white was, was Irish white. She was a Carson. And her husband was? Colored. Colored. Um, well, that's, that's a, quite a background. Oh, yes, it just shows that in America we always have interbreed. <laughs> how, how did you uh, learn of these things? I was told by the family. But both sides, or by both sides, so we were close. Yeah, by both sides, and uh, uh, my grandmother, my mother's mother. You know, she was half white, Irish, and color, and she used to. Show this is your the, mother's mother. That's my mother's mother, and she used to talk about that, you know, about the coloring, the hair, and what have you, and my grandmother married a very, very colored man. That, are you saying very, very? You know, he was, there was no intermarriage there. Mm -hmm. He was really an African. Um, and I saw him. He was really an African? Yes. He had come well, from he there? didn't, he, he, well, he was from, he had no, no, no other, other characteristics uh -huh. other than that. And he was very talented. That's what my mother's uh, you said that your his your, name was Ross. You said your grandmother talked uh, about the color yeah. and yes. different things. What did she say? Well, she was just showing that there was with difference, uh, the difference in our coloring in some of our, you know, in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us were just as fair as you are, mm -hmm. <laughs> and some was very black. And she used to explain that to us why. And what did she say? Why? Because of the intermarriage. Okay. Um, and she used to also mention that during that period of time, if you are, you are, are you from St. Louis? Yes. During that period of time, the black women in that neighborhood, they were, some of them were prostitutes. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother used to explain that to me that this is why you see these very light-skinned, beautiful women like she was, that they were out, they were prostitutes, and they used to work and support their family. But, you know, you're talking about white women are the light-colored. The light-colored okay, women. But your grandmother was white. My, my grandmother was half-white. Half-white. Her mother was white. Okay. Your great-grandmother My great-grandmother. Um... All right. What my was grandmother was your coloring. I had curly hair. And 
my coloring is is what are you calling my coloring? I'm calling you light. Light. Skin. Light skin. Uh -huh. uh, now I don't have the curly hair, but my son does. My son. This is my son. He has naturally curly hair. This is my grandson. You've got quite a lovely family. Oh, thank you. Um, could you tell me uh, the importance? Is there an importance? And, and what significance does the straight hair or the. Oh, it just showed the importance hair. of it. It just showed that we as Americans have always gotten together. And as well, it just showed that they married. You know, it wasn't anything that uh, illegitimacy. Mm -hmm. There was no illegitimacy, not in my family. Um, when you're talking about the area down by the, the riverfront, do you have any streets? Oh, yes. There's Clark. There was Clark Street, 23rd, 21st, 22nd, Morgan Street. Spruce Street. This, this is the area. This is the area. That you're talking about. Yeah. In the 1800s. In the 1800s, yes. Yes, St. Louis is something. <laughs> something? What is, it, what is that? Yes. What are you thinking when you say that? Uh, when I, it's, it's bringing all, because it was a city that opened up for migration. My grandmother told me that her grandmother and, and her grandfather sailed down the Mississippi River from Ohio. One was an Indian and one was white. And they settled here. And what did they do? What did your, what did your great grandfather do? I don't know. They, uh, uh, I don't know what he did, but I know on my father's side that his, the one that was Martin, had a business, a vendor business. And used to sell ice and coal and wood and that type of stuff. Okay. All right. Um, who lived in your home when you were growing up? Mr. Just my, my, my parents and, uh, and my brothers and sisters. And how many brothers and sisters? We had two bedrooms. We had a basement. We had a living room and a kitchen. And we lived right there on uh, 20... Uh, 2300 Eugenia. Okay. Um, how many brothers and sisters did you have? Be brothers and sisters? Well, the first marriage, my mom had six. There were six. Mm -hmm. And then mom married again, and then she had four. So there was not all of us, had not, it was not ten of us living in the house at the same time because we were, there was two marriages. At the most, there were six of us living at the same time, at the most. Okay. All right, we're uh, uh, back to the grandparents again, and so straightening right. it out. And so, so this was... Now, that grandparent who was Irish, mm -hmm. she sailed from a boat from Ohio with an Indian, to came, and she came to St. Louis. He was Indian. Your great-grandmother? My, her husband. Oh, her husband. He was, he was Indian. 
An American Indian. An American Indian. And see, they couldn't marry in, in Ohio where they came from. So they got a canoe and they came to use that canoe and they came here to St. Louis. Oh, so he wasn't a colored man. He no. Was, oh, he was an Indian. Yeah, he was he was an Indian. The American yeah, Indian yeah. married the Irish. And then, Amer yeah, Irish. right. And then, the, as a result of that, of that marriage, uh -huh. my grandmother's mother was born. <laughs> so she was mixed Irish and Indian. Well, then this is your great great granddaughter. Yes. Oh, all right. I knew we were missing a generation there. All right, so then that's, this is your great-grandmother. Okay. All right, and so she was the combination of... She was the combination, and then she married a black man, an African. Okay. And as a result, my mother... Well, no, your, your grandmother. My grandmother. And then my grandmother married a very black-colored man. your mother yes so okay all right now uh, we're back to we're back to uh, <laughs> where are we we're, we're back to your growing up uh, oh yes living on uh, 2300 Eugenia 2300 on Eugenia uh -huh. you 20 and there you had Jeva you know what Jefferson Avenue is mm -hmm. don't you well right in that area all the way over from Jefferson to all the way over to Park was, was the, was the uh, color neighborhood, mm -hmm. color district. Don't you remember that? Yes, and you were born in 1928. 1928. And I was born right where they call it the number one hospital. And that was on, on uh, Laclede, but they called it Locust Street at that time. The number one hospital was on Locust Street, 2600 Locust. That's where I was born, in the city hospital. In the city? The city hospital for, for color people. Okay. Color, number two, was the white. Okay. Don't you remember that? One, or I can I call my mom, and mom, my mother could tell me mm -hmm. which was black and which was white. All right. Um. Your mother is still living? Mm-hmm. My mother is lady too. Okay. Um, all right, what kind of what kind of childhood did you have? Uh, wonderful. You know, uh, I had the discipline. I could in that area we were a family. Mm -hmm. You know, the extended family. Colored people had the extended family tradition. There were no such thing as relief or anything like that. Everybody pitched in and they helped each other. So I had a wonderful environment. Bad phone call. Mm -hmm. That's the Scott Joplin what? That's the Scott Joplin Historic Site Organization. I am a member of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the executive director is Mrs. Bridges. Have you ever been to Scott Joplin Historic Site? No, I really? haven't. It's 2300 Delmore. It is it's 23, 2600 Delmore. 
and it's a historic place and it gives the background of Scott Joplin and ragtime music. You've never been there. No, I, I worked on a um, project at the museum on African American music. I, have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, you come and see it. It's, I will. It has Scott Joplin, some things about Scott Joplin in it. Um, all right. What were the streets around you? And well, me, tell me about the neighborhood. Well, the main artery was 18th Street and then Jefferson, then from 18th Street it went to the 23rd Street and then it went to Jefferson Avenue. Mm -hmm. And from Jefferson Avenue it went to Ewing and then went to Grand. Now I'm, because I'm coming from, I'm in that area down where the Union Station is, alright? As a matter of fact, our neighborhood was extended all the way downtown. We were downtown people. Where the Union Station was, where all the businesses were, and my school was the elementary school, the Lincoln Elementary School. I got some, I'm a member of that. Let me see it. Yes, school. What are you, what are your and this was Lincoln, see? Uh -huh. 1867. It was built. Um, tell me about your memories of, uh, this is, oh, the Alumni Association. Tell me about some of your memories of growing up down. Well, it was, this was very, uh, a very, I, I attended Lincoln School. Mm -hmm. We had, um, all the people that I can remember worked. What kind, <laughs> what kind of work? They did. My my father, for example, worked with. He was an entrepreneur. He was one the, a vendor, mm -hmm. all right. And he used to work at the coal mines or coal station at at the at they had that. Uh, do you remember the yards they used to have, uh, the coal train yards? Okay. There. Do you remember that? No, I don't, but do you, I want you to Yeah, that's not right on Compton. It was the trains you used mm -hmm. to haul coal. Mm -hmm. And my father worked at one of those coal yards, taking coal off of trains and delivering them to businesses. I see. And how did he do that by... Uh, well, he did that... The but, company but, had the trucks, the but truck. my father saved money and bought his own trucks. So he was in his own little business? Yes. He had his own trucks. Mm -hmm. And he used to... But he worked primarily for the... Yeah, he was a contractor. Yes, as a matter of fact, when my aunt came here in, what was it, in the 30s or something like that, 36, she bought him two trucks. Josephine Baker. Yes. How did he decide, happen to decide to Because to his that? stepfather was a vendor. I see. I used to sell ice and coal. Uh -huh. And that was the business that he carried on, my father did. Instead of working for someone else. Yeah. Yes, he did that. So you knew that your father was self-employed? Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, was this uh, Mr. Martin or Mr. Cleveland? That was Mr. Martin. Okay. That was my father. Now, Mr. Cleveland, Mom, 
when mom married him, he was also in that business. How old were you? When my mom and dad, I was eight years old. Were they divorced or? They were divorced, yes. All right. Um, when did you, when did you, uh, well, how did you spend your free time as a child? Pardon? How did you spend your free time oh. as a child? Um, well, I went to church, Sunday school, mm -hmm. all right. My mom would take me out in Kenlock. Do you know what Kenlock mm -hmm. is? Well, my mom's uh, grandmother owned property out there. And we used to go out there as if it was a farm, all right? We saw chickens and we saw pigs and we saw cows. So we used to go out there in the summer, all right? And we used to go to the different playgrounds. I uh, used to go to the movie houses in downtown. Uh, which we one? playgrounds. See, we had playgrounds. Did you? Were you? You were leading a a segregated life. Oh yes, but it was a segregated life as an extended family. We did not know what prejudices were because we had our own. Talk about that. We had our own little our own businesses. We had our own schools. We had dancing schools, music schools. We had our churches. We had um, we had places where they used to have uh, weekend dance, like I mentioned here. What? Tell me what that is. That's the Castle Ballroom. And it's on Olive Street, in the 2800 Olive Street. Mm -hmm. And that was right in our community. And we will go there, and we will have our weddings there, our dances there, recitals there. Mm -hmm. And we will have restaurants here. All, uh, and we had little businesses in that area. In so, this, uh, you're, you're showing me a picture, and you're talking about the underneath Yes, where were restaurants. And they were owned by colored people. And what, what kind of, what were the, did you say stores? Yeah, little stores that would sell um, um, what the little shirts or, you know, little clothing and mm -hmm. shoes and mm -hmm. things like that. Clothing, yes, apparel. And, um, all right, let's see, about, let me go back to the school for a minute. Was that a school, Lincoln, was that a school that you would have, might have wanted your children to go to? Oh, yes, my children did attend Lincoln. They did? Yes, they did. And tell me about... Lincoln School had a wonderful, educated colored people. They were wonderful teachers. They were dedicated. They had degrees. And they taught us and gave us that inspiration to respect yourself and respect your family and to study hard. And, you, and here you will see that, for example, Joanne Jackson Wallace attended
Lincoln School. And most and most of these members in this here are happen to be principals and own their own businesses. And they were all from Lincoln School. How do you how did they how were they able to give you that feeling? By what did they say? What did you hear from them? I heard that we were Americans and that we had the rights to get anything that we wanted, but we had to work for it. That's what I was taught. And that's what they taught. If you could just meet them, yeah, they mentioned all the old folks here. They mentioned the old, see, the of old friends of Lincoln Elementary School. The, Two decided to develop a social entity that will bring remaining friends together other than at funerals. You're looking at the alumni. Yes. Um, and it went from kindergarten to? Three. Kindergarten to eighth grade. Okay. And where did you go after that? After that, uh, only at that time, you, we could only attend two high schools, Vashon High School which is the, on Laclede, which is now called Harris-Stowe State College, mm -hmm. but that was Vashon High School, and Sumner High School. Now, I attended Vashon High School for one year, and then they opened Washington Technical High School, which, which was a vocational school, mm -hmm. and on Franklin, and I graduated from there. So in my resume. Why did you decide to change? Because I wanted, uh, I could dance, but my father and mother always say you needed skills. Mm -hmm. Washington Technical High School was a vocational school, the only one in the city for colored children. So they wanted me to go there. And I went there and I learned how to do shorthand, bookkeeping, and clerical work because during that period of time they were hiring beginning to hire colored in different businesses and they had a so they guided you in in your choice for the future yes how did you feel about uh, leaving Vashon and, and going into Washington Tech fine because most of the kids had the same kind of background that my parents were trying to get me. They wanted skills in mechanics, auto mechanics, skill in carpentry. Uh, they wanted skills in cooking. You know, it was a vocational school. Did you know that your choices were, that, that the whole world, how did you feel about what, what, was, what was open for you? Well, the teachers uh, made it very, very clear to us that this was before the war. Mm -hmm. And they made it very clear. And you notice I attended Tucker Business College, too. Right. You went to Washington Tech in June then 1943. Yeah. And then you went to Tucker Business College in, from 43 to 46. Yes. Okay. And see, I was 17 and 18 years old then. Uh -huh. And they made it clear to you that and they made it clear to me that there were opportunities available, mm -hmm. opening up 
for people who were qualified. You have to have the skills in order to do these things. And we had, we had also during that period of time, we had Homer G. Phillips. And Homer G. Phillips had a nursing school, all for colored people. They had a hospital, People's Hospital, right on Locust, which was all by colored people. And it was in that way, colored people had an opportunity to open up the doors for themselves, but prepare their youngsters for skills to go into these businesses. You speak with a great deal of pride for these things that were colored. Yes. Yes, and we, I, we, it was pride, not that we were in any way competing with anyone. We were not competing. We were not competing with whites. We were doing things that we wanted to do. And he said, and we told ourselves that we could do it. The same way that I founded the Children Performing Arts Academy. I founded the Children Performing Arts Academy because I saw... In my background, Children's Performing Arts, Arts Academy. And you formed this. I formed it, and I formed it in 1985. Uh -huh. And I saw talented, disadvantaged, and low-income African American children that had this had the talent, but there was nothing open for them. And I came in, and I started working with them, and I've been working with them since 1985. When you say nothing open for them. It was nothing during the period of time in 1985 and what have you. That's when we were having this black is beautiful and all of this kind of foolishness. We were not taught that. We were taught that we were beautiful people. We never put color to it. You know, this we can do. <laughs> It's got to be up on yourself and working together. I didn't hear what you first said. The what? This is what we could oh, do. This is what you can do. Well, what I'm trying to put together or, or hearing from you is that when things were segregated, you had a lot of pride and people learned, you're telling me, to, to pick themselves up and go do it. Absolutely. See, we did not, our parents did not teach us that we were, we did not know what segregation was. You didn't know what it was. You didn't know that there was discrimination. We did not know. Um, but let me let me finish, and I'm going to go back to what we're doing now. Um, so now, in, in 1985, when things are opened up, there is integration. But yet, Maybe not the way it should be, but there is integration. But yet, these people, these children, had no place to go. No place to go. And they had no place to go because we, as an ethnic group, we stopped having our own businesses. We start saying, well, we want what you got. <laughs> you know, and we had it all the time. And by not, by breaking down that urge of respect for yourself and not hate for anybody else, by stopping that, we stop having those things. Look at today. We don't have Lincoln Elementary School here that we were proud of. This was, we kept it clean. 
we kept, there was no crime in the area. Everybody, and we did not say that because we were black or what have you, we could not get those things. And that was the great big difference. My aunt went, uh, and, and look what she did. She, Josephine. Josephine, look what she did. She left here at 13 years old and traveled all through the South and then went to New York and at 16 years What has it meant to be Josephine Baker's nephew? Pardon? What has it meant to be Josephine Baker's nephew? Um, that it has meant that I can do whatever I want to do. That's number one. Number two. In what way? By working. By working. She was a, that kind yeah. of example. It meant, she gave me the example that all people are people. You know, she adopted 12 children. And she looked at that as humanity. And she had, by doing that, I was able to teach my kids the same way. You know, we love people. And that's what Josephine Baker had meant to me. And number two. Uh, number two, I have inherited not only some of her talent, but from my family. And she had made it possible that I can, you know, I dance with Irish people. I dance with African people. I dance with all these different ethnic groups because they are all similar. They happen to be children of God. And I copy from them and I use exactly what I see that could be used the way my aunt did. I, that's why she was able to adopt all of those children and was able to learn how to speak several languages. How do you think that we can, what we're talking about before with the pride that you had before and the integration that is now, how can the best of both of those worlds be brought together? First of all, before you can love anyone else, you must love yourself. And if you love yourself, then you will accept this, your weaknesses as well as your strong parts. And people can work together that way. Uh, Mr. Martin, you lived in a, in a segregated area. Uh, when did you first when were you first aware that there were people whose skin was a different color? I've always, my grandmother always taught me of a different color. I always knew that there were different color, but it didn't mean anything. She was just like my grandfather said, that we were colored because we were just like the flowers. And so I looked at people with different colors as part of the flowers. I really mean that. I didn't see any weaknesses or strong points or any special gifts, you know, they were just colors, all right? The time that I have ever come in contact with segregation was when I went in the service. And I was stationed at Fort Knox, Kentucky. And it was the white kid and, and, and I, we used to, we became good buddies. 
and they didn't have, they were supposed to have, but they didn't have segregation of the barracks, you know. So when I went in the service, it was not too many blacks, colored, going into the service, all right? Mm -hmm. At that time, we were volunteering, all right? And I made a good buddies with them, and when I came up with segregation, this white kid and I decided to go swimming one day in the pool. And this is 1946 that you went Yes, in. when I went in the service. And we went to Fort Knox, Kentucky. That's where we were. And we went to the swimming pool, and we started swimming. And one white guard came and said, no, black fellas cannot swim in this swimming pool. And this white friend and I got very upset. <laughs> and we went to the commanding officer, and we explained to him that we wanted to swim together. And from that time on, they opened up the pools. They did? They opened up the pools for all of us to swim. And that was the first time I ever came in contact with segregation. You had no contact with, with integration or, or discrimination? Not, and I'm right here in St. Louis. I was not aware, I was not taught that. Uh, I was aware that when we used to go downtown, certain areas that we couldn't go. But that didn't bother my parents because we had our own. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm yes, saying? Yes, you did not put yourself in the position of being rejected because you didn't go there. That's right. So you went to your own movies? We went to our own movies. What were some of the movie theaters that you went to? There was the Star Theater, the Comic Theater, the Strand Theater, the Criteria Theater. See, we had all, the Regal Theater. Do you see? Well, I'm counting five of them already. Is this Mill Creek? This is Mill Creek and a little bit of, of North St. Louis where they call the street now Dr. Martin Luther mm -hmm. King. Which was Easton. Used, uh, 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 on Easton. Uh -huh. Now that was that the black neighborhood over there so we had all we even had businesses little businesses in the neighborhoods on Eastern Avenue in Franklin and on Market where I lived and Jefferson we had little businesses did you have to go downtown to buy your clothes well we would that was a choice because the reason why it was a choice to go down there is because they could get the quality at a much cheaper price than in your neighborhood and then, then in the neighborhood now that was quality and style mm -hmm. that you could go I used to remember wild clothing company they used to be for boys mm -hmm. that's where my mother and father used to shop for us at Wilds. remember scrubs mm -hmm. that's where we used to shop there now scrubs was the only place that had a eating facilities integrated. And what, I, what year are you talking about? Oh, that must have been in the 40s and 50s. And Scruggs was integrated? Scruggs was integrated. Yes, Scruggs were integrated. And in, in, was it a... Uh, it was a restaurant, all right, and you, the customers would go throughout the store, and when the society eat, 
the restaurant was down in the basement. Uh -huh. You know, it was not there. It was just where it was, like Miss Hullins. Like counters. Yes, counters and what have you. But not, but not chairs and tables. There were chairs and tables. <laughs> it was integrated, and we would go there and eat at Scruggs when I was a kid. Um, okay. Did you ever question your parents about anything that had to do with, uh, well, you didn't know there was discrimination? No, it we didn't, didn't even. It just didn't come up. It just didn't come up. Um, did your, what did your mother do? Did she work? Or did no, she, she never, home? she was, she was home. She, she was enough to take care, care of. Yes. Uh -huh. um, did you feel that your parents provided you with what you needed for everyday life? Oh, yes. If my, you know, once again, it was that extended family, mm -hmm. and my dad had his own little business, and you know, so, yeah, we got what we needed. Did you get any feelings about your parent from your parents about people who were racially different, that they worked with, or that your father worked with, or? No, not. Not at all. Um, you uh well see dad had people working with for him and dad would pay them to work white or black black um you told me that you had a little shoe shine oh yes see i lived on 23rd and eugenia uh -huh. and i used to go at the union station and i learned how to tap dance how did you learn? By watching the fellows in the neighborhood used to do the shuffles and tap dance and what have you. So I used to watch them, all right, and I copied them. And I would go down to Union Station, and then I would get a pair of shoes. I got a pair of shoes and got taps on them, and I would tap dance, and then I learned by tap dancing, I would make money. And I learned that by shining shoes, that was during the period of World War II, when I went down to the Union Station, I could get money, make a dollar fifty for shining shoes, and we made good money doing that. So I did that with my buddies in the neighborhood. Now, the same way that you see kids today get out and they do their rapping and what have you, we did tap dancing. And tap dancing brought in income, and shining shoes brought in income. What kind of income? When you when you when you tap dance, did they hand it to you? Did they put it on the sidewalk? Oh, they put it on the sidewalk. All the older boys would take take the money and keep the money, you know, and count the money and what have you, and they would take care of that for us. Mm -hmm. The older well, you know, we used to challenge each other, compete with each other, and I was a little bitty guy, you know, and by being a little guy and could tap dance, I made good money. A dollar of fifty cents and two dollars for a shoe shine. And so what, what did you get from the dancing? Well, that was paying. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, they didn't pay me just to dance. They really paid me just to shine shoes, but they, I, I danced. Oh, you danced as a added a, uh, 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 to, uh, to, to sell it. Uh huh. To sell the shoe shine. Yes. I got you. 
Okay. Uh, and so you were how old? Now I'm 65. No, no, no. Oh, then I was eight years old when I started that. And you're still dancing. Still dancing. Yes, and then I went to, you know, went in the service and I danced in the USO. Before I went to the, started dancing in the USO, I used to dance on the playgrounds here at Lincoln School, at Louverture School. As just to dance or in, in what form? Uh, oh, well, it, uh, my, I had a dancing teacher and my dancing teacher would take me to these different schools and uh -huh. we used to perform. Uh, in the different schools throughout the city. And that's what you mean by dancing on the playground? That on the playground. That was where it was. Yes. Did she have you, a, a group of you? A group of us, uh -huh. yes. She was a teacher on the... What was her name? Mildred Franklin. And did she have a studio or... A she had a, uh, her studio at 4062 Cook Avenue. Uh -huh. But she also taught in the public schools on the playgrounds. She was a, a phys ed teacher? Yes. As a matter of fact, her two daughters taught, carrying on the tradition, taught in the public schools dance. So we go way back in this dancing. But I have danced at the, we had the YMCA. Is this the Pine Street Y? Yes. And I danced, I performed in the Pine Y. See, we had those things. I would tell me all about these things. You know, we, we had the, these, these were, Colored people coming together, developing annual competitive pageants, uh, raising money, funds for scholarships, creating parades, you know, the Anna Malone Parade. Uh, the YMCA had a parade. We did those things within our own neighborhoods. And we had very little crime. Uh you danced, uh, what were some of the the uh, African St. Louis cafes and taverns that you... Yes, in that, in downtown. Uh -huh. uh, there was the um, caf Red Bud Cafe down there, all right? That's, that's very famous. There was very, we used to, I used to dance in those little taverns. Well, wasn't that uh, from Scott Joplin? From Scott, and Scott Joplin. Yes, Charlie Turpin. You know, the Booker T. Washington Theater, I can remember that theater when I was a little bitty kid, but they tore it down and put in a filling station when I grew up. But I remember Booker T. Washington Theater right there. And we used to see the stars come into that place. Can you remember any? Yes, I can remember them. Who are they? Oh, like Bessie Smith. I saw her. Um, the... Turpins owned that place, and I saw Steppen F F Fletcher. Fletcher. Yes, Steppen Fletcher. You know he used to have the caricature of comics. Uh -huh. I saw Louis Armstrong, Count Basie. All of those people came in that area. And so, where would they perform? At the Booker T. Washington the Theater. Um, and they had, during that period of time... And were you too little to... I was too, too little. To go into the theater. To, to go, I would have to have my parents to take me, and my, my mother would take me. And, but during that period of time, they call it T-O-B-A circuit, 
And I think my aunt performed on that. They said, they tough on black actors or something like that. That was the circuit that they in vaudeville during those the days. Tough on black artists. T O B A. Yeah. Um, I'm just reading a book about Bill Robinson on that. Yes. What is tough on black? That black means that art. they didn't get paid that much. Yeah. And that so that was the name of the troupe. Yeah, the name name of the uh, name of the agency. A O agency. It's agent. They will book people. I see. They booked the through T O B A. Well, okay. um, I did. I was too young. That had mm -hmm. stopped. I didn't go through that. You're painting a very vibrant and vital picture of this area and this time. Oh, it was. It was. Uh, you danced at the, um, uh, what was the Y Circus? What I was just explaining to you, the Y, the YWC on yes, Pine I Street. Know, but, but uh, they call it circus, but they had performers. And they were the activity was annually to raise scholarship funds for the Y. Was this held at Keel Auditorium? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. Right. And it was once a year. Once a year. The Y Circus. Yes. All right. Um, and uh, the American Theater. Tell me about that. Oh well, the American Theater, it was. Uh, now that was a de was a segregated place, all right. But my dancing teacher, when Bill Robinson was there, was made it possible for mine to come in to dance with Bill Robinson. Now the people made could made it possible for for my dancing with for Bill. You dance, dancing with, with Bill Robinson <laughs> when I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but it was now that was segregated. Yes. And I did not, and once again, I did not realize that it was segregated because I went in with Bill Robinson, or we went in to the show. We used to, I understand we used to have to go in the back if we wanted to go to the theater, all right, in that theater. But it didn't, it was not that important to me. I don't know why. Did you understand why you were going in the back? No. I just thought that just if you all performers supposed to go in the back. So when you went out on the stage, it was integrated. It was, it was an integrated audience. Audience. During that period of time, yes. For Bill Robinson. For Bill Robinson, it was integrated. Were they all sitting together? Or they were all sitting together. They, they were. There was no such thing that I can remember of blacks in the balcony. Have I heard of that? But I. I saw all the integrated. I saw white and black sitting in the in the in the audience. All right. um, I heard of that that the blacks used to have to sit up in the balcony, but when I performed with Bill Robinson, that was in thirties. Uh, they were all integrated. What about uh, you've got St. Louis Municipal Opera? Oh, I danced with Mr. Ray Skelton and Avon and, and Showboat. Now you look at my resume and I got a picture of of myself when I danced there. Oh, oh. Do you have this picture? I have that. The original? Yes, I have that. Wonderful. 
Richard A. Martin, Jr., at six years old when he performed in Showboat 1935, dancing on the stage at the St. Louis Municipal Opera in Forest Park, dancing with Mr. Avon Long, a noted African-American jazz and tap dancing performer who was a Harlem Cotton Club tapping star. Um, and then it gives some more of your history here. Um, and my dancing teacher um, made that possible. Mildred Franklin, Mrs. Mildred Franklin, yeah. Uh, sounds like she not only taught you to dance, but she opened up the opportunities for you. You know, she was, she was second mother to me. You know, once again, we had that extended family. Mm -hmm. And teachers were like mothers or aunts. Uh, it, it made such a great big difference. Yes. Great big difference. And I think we need that now. Um, all right. Uh, the castle ballroom. ballroom. That was a social building where we had my social dancers that's where we used to go to do the jitterbug and the, and Lindy Hop and the boogie and the stumps and, and as we used to listen to Duke Ellington will come there and Count Basie will come there, uh, Billy Eckstein will come there. Uh, Riviera. The Riviera was in the uh, in the West End we called it West End, which was on Delmore. That building is torn down now. But the Riviera was similar to, had the same function as the Castle Ballroom. We had the Castle Ballroom downtown. The West End had the Riviera. I see. And so they were both, in a way, nightclubs. Nightclubs. Uh, was it about approximately, this? was one considered... Uh, how were they differed in, in the thought process of people? Well, the Riviera had the people that had money that would attend there. But we also had money at the castle. No, there really was no, really no different. There was another club called West End Club. West End Waiters? Waiters, right. And that club was on Vanaventer. And they all had the same kind of function. It's all the same. They had the same type of customers that will attend. And then there was the But the Castle Ballroom was the one that really had uh, the large jazz uh, professionals will come here to the Castle Ballroom. That was the one that had, I think, I gotta ask mom about this. I think the Castle Ballroom was the very first before the Riviera. It was the oldest because it was in the downtown area. Um, when you were dating and you wanted to go to out for an evening, would you make a choice? Of well, we made the choice of the Castle Ballroom. Now, however, when we graduated from high school, we would select the Riviera. Can you tell me why? Uh, because it was, I think it was 
had some type of a identification of high class, high class service. They had a doorman and what have you. Each time that you will go there, you will have to dress in a tuxedo or uh, girls with a fancy dress. Oh, you had to wear a tux to go there? And to, to go to the Riviera, well, certain activities. Oh. Oh, but you dressed when you went to the Riviera. You wore a suit, but not in a tie. In a tie, but sure. Not, but not to the castle. Oh, yes, the oh. castle ballroom, the same way. But there was still... There was still that level of identification. Usually people that attended the Riviera were professional people. Was there a difference between downtown and the West End? Yes, as far as the black community was concerned. Yeah, you know, one was the one that in the West End they were usually professional people. Mm -hmm. The people where I lived were business people. They owned, they had their own businesses that I was explaining. That was the finance building down on Jefferson. People's Finance. People's Finance Building. And they had, that was the St. Louis Argus that was on Market Street. The black newspaper. Right. And see, this was the area where business was, and the area in the West End where, where area where, where professionals lived. Did you know people who lived in the West End? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, my um, great aunt lived on Fairfax, you know, and then my teacher lived on Cook. Then my aunt, Josephine Baker's sister lived on Cook. Mary Franklin, you mean your Yes, Mrs. Franklin lived on Cook, and my aunt, Josephine Baker's sister, lived on Cook in that area. My great aunt lived on Fairfax. So that was West End. Were there places in St. Louis where you didn't care to go to or didn't go to or were not comfortable in going? Yes, there were places that we were not, we were forbidden to go on Franklin Avenue because there used to be a lot of gangs over there on Franklin, Jefferson and Franklin, which is now Dr. King's Drive. Yeah, those were certain areas. But looking at St. Louis as a larger picture, say that it's been said that St. Louis is, uh, is polarized. Well, there were certain areas in South St. Louis that we never attend, never uh, went because there was nothing over there for us. We had our own. My my parents never told me not to go to own South St. Louis. There was no reason for my going over there in South St. Louis. Was there any concern about going over there? No. I also want to ask you, uh, you were over in East St. Louis, you danced in East St. Louis? I danced in East St. Louis. Now, my, my um, teacher mm -hmm. taught in the schools in East St. Louis because they didn't have a teacher of her background. You know, she could not only teach tap, but she could also teach ballet. So East St. Louis did not have that, all right? So she would do what she would do. She would make... Um, uh, apartments, she would make apartments and set up performance dates 
as she taught in East St. Louis for her St. Louis kids to come to perform there. Uh -huh. And that's how we performed in East St. Louis. East St. Louis has never had many teachers who were colored who could teach like she could. Have you heard of George Hudson? Yes. Now George Hudson used to teach in East St. Louis. And you know he is from St. Louis. George Hudson is. As a matter of fact, George Hudson used to, uh, his orchestra used was employed by Mrs. Franklin for our recitals and for at the Y Circus, Mr. George Hudson. He's still alive, isn't he? I think so. Um, and you, you said you danced on the boats? On the boats, yeah. yeah. Uh, Miss Franklin would take us on the boats mm -hmm. and we would have engagements on the boats. They used to have boats that were owned by uh, colored people. And they would have, you know, these dances and we would go and perform as a show. So you really were not doing any in front of white audiences. You were you with were only blacks. Only blacks. Yes. So your life was really segregated. I know. I won't call it segregated. You know, I, I, it was an ethnic togetherness. It was a tradition. Mm -hmm. You know, there were stories told, people wore their hair differently and clothes differently and we knew each other from generation to generation. If it was segregated, it was segregated in such a form of developing one ethnicity. But you're saying now that they wore their hair differently, differently than what? Well, different styles, you know, somewhere like you see now they're wearing, most of the girls wear that African style with the braids and what have you. Mm -hmm. But usually, uh, my aunt and my mother, they would wear their hair cut short like yours. I guess because they had straight hair, I guess. Mm -hmm. but and this, for the sake of the tape, mine is really short. Yes. Very short. Um, all right, I'd like to hear about the... Um, the uh, you founded uh, in 1954 the Pruitt-Igoe Jazz Tap Dance Classes, so with sessions held at St. Bridges Catholic Church. Um, you know where that is? That's right on Jefferson. And Pruitt-Igoe. And Pruitt-Igoe Community Center. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, I see when the Mill Creek area downtown where we lived before the highway came, mm -hmm. they sold property and the colored people had to move from that area and when they moved from that area they went to Pruitt and I go. Most of my neighbors and my friends and family, my mom sold her home and she moved in Car Square Village in Pruitt and I go. So we, the family, still moved together. So that was very easy for me to form a dance school in that area so, at St. Bridges. So from Eugenia Street you went to, to Pruitt and I go. Um, all right. 
um, what what would you like to talk about right now that maybe uh, I haven't asked you about the things so far that we're we've been discussing? Are there any points that you'd like to bring up that that I haven't that you're I about? I think we have touched upon the the important factor of ethnic identification of continually developing within St. Louis, not because of, of um, not because of any real effort of separation, and even though that there was separation there, that still gave room for development. And I think that this is what is happening in St. Louis. As a matter of fact, that same kind of characteristic was like in Harlem. Although Harlem was separated ethnic, ec, ec, with ethnicity, but look what Harlem developed, the Apollo Theater, mm 